Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Yes. Uh, yeah, so the process, I try not to freeze it, um, but I do understand that context for me is everything. And uh, if I make a context that is stimulating to me in uh, a variety of ways, then most likely um, something's going to come out of it. That relational aspect you described is utterly fascinating to me. I know that there's people listening right now going, yeah, right. If I sit in my office cubicle and surround myself with some botanicals and aromatics and such like that and some exotic liquors, you can pay me a million dollars. I wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. So you're describing a Jedi-like mind trick, totally letting go. <laughs> Jedi truth, Jedi truth, not trick. It is. I mean, that's pretty much what it says. Let the energy surround you and penetrate you. And, you know, basically guides your, your movements and your mindset. Um, that eventually equates to originality. Very interesting. Um, because, I mean, I'm picturing myself in the kitchen and I do everything by instinct. I mean, I have a million cookbooks. I just don't open them. Not because I'm arrogant. It's just more fun that way. Yeah. Um, so you're and, playing jazz in the kitchen. That's all. Yeah, exactly. So I get it. But it's very subconscious process for me. Uh, which is why, you know, I can never replicate a recipe if I like. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. If it wasn't for <laughs> if it wasn't for my right hand man for the last nine years, his name is Uziel Polito and he deserves a shout out. Um, if it wasn't for him, half of my shit would not be written down. He was just like, I'd be like, all right, cool, let's do this. And he's like, all right, cool. What? And I'm like, all right, a little bit of that. Let's touch there. Like, see that little residual. We got to use that residual. But let's let's wait till later after it's diluted and all this other shit. And he's just like, dude, we're not going to be able to. Uh, make this cocktail consistently unless we find a way to capture these little nuances in minutia again, you know, uh, and insinuations. And so he definitely uh, inspired me to put a little bit more structure behind my, my free flowing jazz cocktail making. <laughs> yes. No, I, I can almost picture your mind and like, it's almost a physical, there's a physicality to how you relate to your environment of that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I mean, first of all, cool. I mean, how cool is that? Because it's so joyful. You know, you. It's, ins it's inspiring. It inspires, it inspires me, rather. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there has to be a transference. I can't imagine that where you're experiencing that moment and what the ensuing result is, which of course is a cocktail in, in this instance, would not channel that joy, that, that inspiration, that relationship that you created yeah well i mean i think i think that has a real psychology to it to be honest with you i mean uh the inverse of that sadly would be like uh um far or ranch animals that are mistreated and they experience trauma right before they die all that energy is stuck in that meat and then you get that meat and then you make a burger out of it and then you get indigestion you're like i i honestly feel there's a relationship to that uh the jizza from the wu-tang taught me that you know what i mean um that energy is transferable and, and, and it's real. And I mean, I've been through a lot the last five years. And when I mean a lot, we can get into it. But I've been through some probably the most difficult challenges as an adult and a human that I could probably endure. And I made it out. And luckily, I had the help of some pretty good friends. Um, but one thing I know after all that is that energy is real and the universe is 100% listening.
And, you know, I'm not here to convince anybody on that, you know, whatever. I just know for me, my experience on this planet Earth rock, that is pretty much an un unbendable truth for me. Absolutely. You know, in the wine space, I often think and talk about that transference when that plant has been touched by so many hands throughout its life cycle. And by the time it gets to the bottle, potentially hundreds of hands were involved. Um, you know, from the time it was a little baby, you know. Um, so I absolutely believe that because I can taste it. I yeah. still can taste it. Um, yeah. And I haven't thought about cocktails in that sense till it came up in conversation, but it makes perfect sense because there are a lot of live ingredients that go in a cocktail. Yep. The, yeah, it's, it's literally living organisms that you're trying to put in harmony with each other. Like literally, when it comes down to the brass tacks of it, you just took a living organism and you put it in a glass. You think that's not going to have a vibration, a relation, an energy, an interaction, its own behavior. Like they're living, they're working with you. They're organic ingredients. When we do my cocktail classes, we have, we taste everything we're using because organic ingredients will always be different. Like if you have a, a clamshell of a, a, a blackberries, right? Um, yeah. Clamshell is like a slang restaurant for 12 or like, anyways, whatever. If you have blackberries, and you eat one blackberry and you're like, oh, that blackberry is tart. Eat another one. Eat a couple. See, like, what the consistency level is, you know, in, in that tray of blackberries. Because that's going to dictate any blackberry cocktail you make that night. No, I experienced it firsthand. A bit of a boot camp in the best sense of the world. You know, you just said, hey, you can't, you can't just make a cocktail with raspberries. you got to taste the raspberries first. Yeah. Like, you know, honestly, I've never done it before. Yeah, well, I, I would do it if I was maybe putting it in a very specific dish. But how is that different? Cocktail is, in fact, a compilation of ingredients that's you know very similar to cooking, right? Um, definitely is a compilation of ingredients, but more so it's a it's a, a relation. It's a relationship. It's a relationship of uh, behaviors and it's a layering of balances. That's how I understand it. Balances. Very interesting. So. What is the composition of a solid cocktail like? And it's a terrible question because there's different types of cocktails. So there's, there's subcategories. Uh, well, what is the composition of a good cocktail? The, 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 the umbrella term, the general sense, the underlying yeah. principle and foundation, balance. Yeah. Balance. Right? But there are many types of balances. Yes. Right? There's concentration, dilution. There's salt and um, acidity. There's sugar and acidity, uh, salt and bitter, fruit and savory. Um, there, there's, you know, many, there's many balances. Um, and to be in control of that minutia while you're working uh, 200 miles an hour and the bar is three deep and you have 18 seats full and the dining room has 200 seats full and there's still a line out the door, you got to keep that, you got to keep that focus. You got to keep that minutia. That is what's going to make it different than people who don't care. You've worked as you just, you guys just heard, fast paced galore, but you've extremely very successful restaurants. Um, and you ran, you know, bars that literally, you said there's line out the door, highly coveted seats. So it's pretty high voltage. I mean, you have to be on your toes in so many senses of that word, um, you know, both in terms of guest relations and the quality of the cocktails, the consistency, keeping an eye on everything that's happening. And there's usually an explosion <laughs> in those kinds of environments. And everything's happening at once. How do you manage like to stay sane? Um as much energy as you put in performing at a high level every night, you have to put that much energy in your self care on the back end. Mm, you can't forget about what's beautiful about yourself. You can't, you know, you can't get so caught up 
um, that your life is draining behind you. Like you have to find a way to make sure you regenerate. So I do have a really strict discipline. Like, um, you know, I, it was really difficult for me to grieve my mom's passing. Um, but after I was able with the help of some really good friends, uh, able to process that, um, uh, I was able to get back on my discipline and, you know, um, a drink, I carry around with me, uh, a one and a half liter bottle of water. Right. And I'll kill, I'll try to kill three of these a day, but mostly likely it's two. So that's three liters of water. I'm very disciplined about the vitamins I take. I'm very disciplined about how much uh, red meat I choose to eat. I try to stretch every morning. Um, I run or I run steps. I don't run, um, uh, a lot, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're little things you, I mean, you have to preserve the vehicle to produce the art, you know? So, um, so that's a big thing, but that's just physical aspects. Then you have to take time to meditate. You have to sit by the water. You have to, you know, like, like I used to walk to the gym before COVID and that walk was about a 30 minute walk. And during that time I would call people in my past that I don't always have a chance to talk to you and just catch up. Just be like, Hey man, I love you. I miss you. I remember these things. Thank you for, you know, thank you for being you type of shit. Um, and I think that's really important because you're just making sure everybody is still, you know, knowing you're on the planet and you're recognizing them as well. And I think that's always good to be realized, but, um, so that's part of it. Um, but also there's a really, there's a really intense discipline. Um, ask my bar team. Uh, I sometimes think that attending bar at a very high level, um, is really just a competition in who could be more OCD because like I can be literally attending bar or making a cocktail or with a, or with a guest. And in my right ear, I can hear the ice being over diluted. I can hear it being overshaken, right? At the same time, I see my other bartender taking a bar spoon that's a little much too much of a bar spoon, and I have to correct those. But can I correct those without interrupting my guests, right? So there's a whole system of communication that I'm looking at. I'm like, nope, that needs to be redacted. Nope, that spoon is off, you know what I mean? Um, while we're doing all this, you know what I mean? Um, so there, there, is, there is definitely uh, a hidden secret language uh, behind that my bar team learns. I call my bar team Shaolin. And I call my bar team Shaolin because obviously Wu-Tang is a big influence on me. But other than that, um, we do adopt a really intense discipline to make sure that the product gets out the way it needs to get out. Um, if you're just a casual hanging out bartender, this is going to be a very difficult space for you. This is a very structured, sp structured space. And um, philosophically speaking, uh, uh, I've created four principles under which we operate. Uh, one is our, in no particular order. One is articulation. Uh, another is gracefulness. Another is the art of the skillful question. And another is mastering your circumference. If you learn those four things and you learn when they are and you learn when to employ them, uh, uh, efficiency is uh, inevitable. Let's go through them one by one because I think this, and not only the principles that apply behind the bar, I think they're life lessons. Yeah, okay, maybe so. But, but I will say these, these are not like, it's not normal. <laughs> No, but you know, what's normal? Um, we're all living the new normal. As yeah, society. no, what I mean is like, you're not gonna go to a bar and make a drink and be like, uh, did you make that drink with the four principles, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, no, we're not, we're not asking you to actually start challenging your local bartenders, but I just think you're, you're such a philosophical being. Everything is thoughtful and you're kind of permeated by that spirit that I think whatever you put in place would channel you know, your core values. And I'm, I'm loving this. So I want to talk about articulation. It's okay. It's great. great. Yeah. I, I can break these four yeah. things down deeply and truly if you'd like to do that. I do. All right. Before we do that, I will say after Farmer Brown was Aziza and Aziza, right. I worked with chef Murad Lalu 
and opening up his pantry was like a universe. It was just like, it was an entire constellation of flavors and colors that I'd never seen. Me and my really good friend Farnoosh worked on that bar for a long time. Uh, it was literally 29 to 30 cocktails and about 25 of them were muddled. Like no, 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 no exaggeration. So talk about fresh ingredients. Like it was fresh ingredients right now, fresh ingredients, you know what I mean? That was very, very influential. That's when I started taking cocktails seriously. That's when people started noticing what I was doing. Yeah. And then I went to 1760, which is part of the two-star Michelin Acarello team, uh, which is an amazing restaurant, amazing Italian restaurant in San Francisco. It's a staple. I've uh, been here since the mid-80s, uh, early 80s, something like that. Um, and they're a gracious family, and they're, they're very, 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 they treated me very well, and they're very cool people, and they're very skillful people, and very experienced. Learned a lot there. Um, and then I was doing my cocktails in 1760 and then, then it blew up and then it was like, Oh, this is real. You know what I mean? Um, and then because of that, you know, David Nafeld and Matt Brewer, uh, became regulars of mine probably about three years before we opened K-Fico and they were like, Hey dude. And I was like, let's talk about it. So I was working on K-Fico probably about two years before it opened. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, but obviously K-Fico is a very strong team and I'm very happy to be with them. I just wanted to finish the, the, no, the, listen, the I was going to ask you about um, those places because they're not only worth mentioning, they really are institutions. I mean, Aziza was so well known for the best program. <laughs> well, you know, I have to thank Farnoosh a lot for that because Farnoosh is the one that allowed me to be in there. Um, I had broken uh, my ankle or sprained my ankle really, really badly and I couldn't do anything for a long time. Uh, as soon as I was able to walk, I wanted to get back into the restaurant stuff, but I didn't want to do that in an area that was like high energy. I wanted to slowly acclimate, acclimate myself to it. And Aziza was perfect because it was on 22nd and Geary in the Outer Ridge. And so it's a little bit, you gotta, gotta travel a little bit to get there. And, uh, and I, at that time I had been going to Aziza a lot. It was just my favorite restaurant. And when I got there for, they posted a bartending job. And uh, literally when I got there, the line for, interviews was around the block like no exaggeration it wasn't just like one side of a block it was around the block you know what I mean and so I just waited in line and Farnoosh is a soldier she's a strong smart person and she just did all those interviews and then when I showed up she was like why didn't you tell me you were in line and I was like I don't, don't want to be like that and so um you know weeks went by and then all of a sudden she gave me an email and she was just like hey we need somebody to bar for uh Murad's uh Iron Chef party. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know your drinks, but I'll do my best. And she's like, yeah, we're not going to do my drinks. We're just going to do whatever. And I was like, cool. So I attended bar. They were really happy about it. Murad and uh, Farnish sat me down after and they were like, hey, we'd like to offer you a position. And it's a very small bar. It can fit three people barely. You know what I mean? And you have a cocktail menu of like almost 30 and you have three dining rooms. And so, you know, go now. You know what I mean? It's not like, let me consider the leaf. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so that was big. And I started, you know, Farnish and I collaborated a lot on that menu. Um, and she definitely helped me hone down a lot of skills. So I got a lot of love for that team as well. I, I just, I've been really fortunate when it comes to the people that have taught me things. You know what I mean? But I think you also attract, you know, your mentors. There's so much synergy from what you're describing. They see things in you that I think also inspires them to be able to pass that knowledge to someone that not only would soak it up, but really put their own spin on it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think a big key to young bartenders 
uh, and I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, uh, maintaining the mentality to be open, be open, dude. Like don't, don't be, be more curious than correct. Be more curious than correct. There's your pearl. Right there. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's yours. Take it. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, yeah. So, so then, um, so I was doing Aziza and then Jean Paulo Paterlini, who's an extremely talented uh, sommelier and uh, the son of uh, Giancarlo, who owns Acarello, was like, hey, dude, um, let's hang out and do some cool stuff. And so we created 1760, uh, which was a really great restaurant um, on Polk in Washington. And uh, we had a lot of fun nights, man. We made, we made a lot of cool things happen there. And that was a really, really awesome chapter. Unfortunately, you know, my mom got sick at the end and, uh, you know, I just wasn't able to, you know, it was difficult to focus, you know, because I went through a lot of different things. My mom passed and, you know, I ended a relationship and I broke my leg and I cut my fingers and all this crazy stuff was going on uh, right in a row, like literally within two or three months of each other. So, you know, I was given really big challenges. Uh, and then, you know, um, but it still was a very dynamic time and I love that space. And I actually just taught a class in that space recently. But uh, yeah, and then, and then you know, crazy ass David Nafel walks through the door and he's like, hey, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man. Yeah. And we just, we just hit it off right away. Like, like literally within 30 minutes, we were just dying of laughter. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, he's like, I want to introduce you to my friend, Matt Brewer. And then Matt came and we had a good time and we laughed a lot. And there was probably a lot of bourbon hanging around somewhere. And uh, it was good times. Uh, and then, you know, we created Cape Pico. Yeah, I remember first reading about Kefiko, the rave reviews, like everything is perfect, everything is so colorful. <laughs> My God. Um, Those uh, between, uh, oh, also somebody should be mentioned is a really amazing pastry chef who I feel very close to named Angela Pinkerton. And she is extremely talented. Uh, she, her and uh, David work together at EMP, 11 Madison Park. Um, you know, she, she's extremely talented. So, you know, when her, Matt and David would come through, it was just, it was like, it was, oh, we get to create stuff. You know what I mean? But like that, that being said, when, when, you know, when Cape Vigo opened up, like you start to really realize the breadth of their capabilities and talents. And you're just like, wow, like there's going to be a moment in the future when I look back and see these people across from me in the dining room and all of us just looking at each other like, yep, we're here. We're doing this right now. That was a very special moment. And that happened a few times uh, when we opened, but yeah. So they're, 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 they're extremely talented. They're extremely savvy, extremely intelligent people who know how to do what they do very, very well. And, I, and I'm very, very grateful to be a part of that team. No, it sounds like you surrounded yourself with people that not at just the top of their game, but they really are so generous and collaborative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, uh, humility is gold. So, you know, when you humble yourself, you basically open up a door to anybody's skill set again a potent life lesson um so when you started designing the cocktail program kefiko obviously by then you had such intense experience you know at aziza in 1760 i mean you obviously kind of flexed your muscle already a little bit you had a comfort level how did that come to play with respect to kefiko's menu um and just your place at that moment in in life you know and and how you were experiencing yourself in you know um it it was interesting you know because there was a a dichotomy of dynamics um you know on one side of my life uh these are you know people 
I've learned, I didn't know this then, but people say like some of the strongest things that you go through is like, uh, you know, you lose, you lose a parent, change careers, you end a relationship and you suffer a great injury um, throughout, you know, however many years, you know, I literally did that within like three months and it all was so intense. And, uh, and then at the same time, opening, you know, helping build and develop opening something like Cake Vigo was like, at the same time, I was also consulting for the city's first uh, CBD cocktail program. And, and then, then I was like traveling back and forth to Texas to see my mom. So in, in, you know, after meaning on a broken leg, so I couldn't walk really well. I wasn't as mobile as I used to being as fast as I'm used to being. So on one side of my life, you have that. Yeah. And, and you're just like, what is going on? You know? And I probably definitely self met self medicated, uh, in ways I shouldn't have. And if it wasn't for, you know, uh, my lady, like being strong and always there, like, I would probably have went off into a weird place. Well, I did go into a weird place, but I pulled myself out of it. But, yeah. you know, I, I was very thankful for this that she was there. But and then on the other side of my life, you have one of the greatest professional opportunities that I've ever experienced. And, you know, and it's very delicate and fragile. And people are, the expectations are unreal. You know what I mean? And, and how are you going to do this? So what a great escape. Um, I was able to basically compartmentalize the pain, yeah. which I think is unhealthy, to be honest with you, uh, just for anybody listening, uh, process it as, as naturally as possible. But, you know, compartmentalizing and hiding it is not good. And then on the other end, I was able to get highly conceptual. What I realized was I took, I, I did think about the program a lot. A lot of it, I like to pretend like it's very organic and it is, but I did think this, there's so much visibility for this program, for this restaurant, for this operation, all of it together. There's so many names, like there's so many people involved. There's so many projects that to me, the most interesting thing I could do, and I learned this from understanding jazz players, is tone down. Keep your dynamism, but tone down. Like if you tone down, you're gonna be an element that takes place in a restaurant that is always sought after, right? But isn't so gregarious that it's trying to steal the show. Right. And then it becomes the small thing you want. You're like, oh, I want that milk punch. I'm just gonna get that milk punch and some um, you know, soupy. You know what I mean? Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, so for me, I wanted to maintain the uh, dynamism and balance and uh, originality in the cocktails, but I didn't want to overdress them. I didn't want everybody to over fetishize the, the garnishes and the glamour and I'm at Cape Vigo and look at this crazy cocktail that looks like it has a peacock in it. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, I don't want that, right? But I was like, what if your cocktails look so simple and you taste them and you're just like, I couldn't believe that's what I'm tasting by how simple it looks. And to me, masterfulness is being, is embracing restraint, right? Like there's strength and there's power, right? Strength is raw, I'm incredible, I'm just crashing, I'm strength. And look at my crazy garnishes and I dehydrated and I did this and then it's micro, maxwell, all whatever it was. And then there's power and power is the ability to restrain strength. Right. And so I think there's a self-empowering moment when you can uh, discipline your indulgences, discipline your need to be recognized. Hey, I want to get in the front. And it's like, no, man, I'm just here. I'm solid and we're steady and we're here. But if you taste this, it might change your mind about something. Right. And so 
I thought that was really interesting thing to do. Um, and really that is, in my interpretation, the sculptor's mindset. And the sculptor's mindset is to take away to reveal more, right? So I really need all these things to reveal the integrity and character. So you were talking about me and Scott Beatty being a purist. Um, uh, you know, I think my version of that reflects in that approach. So insightful, that chiseling piece that you just described so important i mean in storytelling like as a journalist the most important piece i can do is highlight the story and not bury it like the essence and nucleus the reason why it's worth reading and that's what you're describing you're describing this less is more approach i mean yeah and it shows up and it has that quiet strength that quiet power but it's very present yeah and, and to me that is a uh you know, that is a self-discipline. I studied a lot of Confucius. He wrote something called the Analects. And a lot of the way he went and expressed things was through his gestures, right? And more I reflect on it, that is a hundred million thousand percent being a hospitality professional. Like, let me make sure you don't need anything. You have everything. You, it's comfortable. You're good. You have something delicious to drink, to eat. Not too much. Not a lot. Everything is in control. Like, and, and, to, and to take that responsibility to communicate through your gestures is a great way to be present without language. Wow. It's almost like anticipation of what they might need, what the guests will it, need. It is anticipation. It's not only anticipation. You also lead what exactly they anticipate. That's on top. Right? That, yeah, that's almost telepathic. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? You know the way to do that? What? The art of the skillful question. Right? If you can ask a skillful question, if you can ask a question skillfully, yeah. you can share what you know, you can invite what they know, and you can create a setting and a context that's agreed upon, dictated by them, because it was offered to them in the form of a question, more than an imperative statement, like, all right, this is how we do it here. You ready? And they're like, oh, okay. But if you just listen to them, invite what it is they're thinking, you create your expectations together. If you create your expectations together, anticipation, that's easy now. That's so smart. I mean, that's it, one of the, that's so that's one of the four pillars, right? It is. And again, it applies to life like crazy. And then if you're going to use our skillful question, make sure you mean to say exactly what you mean to say. And that's the articulation. It's the same when you're talking to other bartenders, you know, you don't have all this exuberant verbosity or rather being verbose, like you have clean, efficient, articulate language and it's clean. There's no, there's no question about it because I said exactly what I meant to say. But a lot of people are conditioned to not hear exactly what you mean to say and just reflexively be like, wait, what, wait, what? And you're like, you gotta sharpen your ears, man. Especially if you're moving as fast as we're moving back there, it's, it's one time and it's fast. And if it's not done, I'm just, I'm gonna override it and I'm gonna take it, like, you know what I mean? So that's another one of the pillars and they, and they show up over and over again. You know what I mean? The way you explain a dish to a guest, the way you explain a cocktail to a guest, however articulate you are, is gonna create their expectations. Right. Yes. And if you're unsure of what their expectations are, you ask a question. Right. The, the level of precision that you're describing is pretty astounding. It's every day. And listen, but you don't want them to feel like it's a military format. Right. Right. So you got to employ gracefulness. Right. Yeah. However graceful you are, it looks like it didn't even happen. You did it so smooth. You said it so quietly. You did it in such a nonchalant way while you were making fucking hundred cocktails and firing course two on bar three and resetting bar nine 
and bar 10 is missing a four and we didn't print the check properly for bar five and you know somebody's in the back three deep like yo what's up see i'm like yeah i can see it all right you know what i mean and then and then but and people feel that kinetic energy you know and if all you are is locked into them and you're asking them the right question and you're in control um that creates a sense of exclusivity and that creates a sense of a sense of warmth and i think that is what a lot of people want to feel when they're in such a crazy busy place you know what i mean so gracefulness plays a long role how you move behind the bar how your hands move you know what i mean when i watch johnny raglan tim bar that that cat is so graceful it's ridiculous you know what i mean it's like if bartending were in cursive you know what i mean you're just like that's insane like you're just the smoothest cat i've ever seen um and i love it and that inspired me to understand gracefulness the way you use your foot the way you use your feet the way you pivot behind the bar there's like a lot of times when you're behind the bar technically speaking two bartenders or two bar people are trying to go in contrast so if you're graceful you could take a step back and allow that to go and then you go but the problem is the the the, the sense of self-importance right and so one thing that i really discipline my bar team is is allow them to go first take the step back right so that pivot back allows and it's all about fluidity and fluidity is uh, uh you know a characteristic of gracefulness you know what i mean yeah so mm -hmm. no it sounds like a really well choreographed dance oh yes it's, it's it's a highly delicate choreography behind the bar but it's fun to watch when we're really doing it we're in locked in it's, it's pretty cool um but you know you can anticipate your bar team member or somebody dropping something uh if you master your circumference right so mastering your circumference is a lesson i got from the rizza and mastering your circumference means understanding your 360 understanding where everything is at understanding who's where understanding at what speed they're moving understanding at what volume they're speaking understanding at what temperature that dish landed like if you master literally master your circumference right you'll you'll be present in your own space and you'll know where to put yourself if you know where to put yourself you're out of the way and you become an observer or a witness and then the game comes to you like we were saying from my coach like then you're letting the game come to you you put yourself in a position you know how to operate and move you know how to make people feel warm you know how to communicate now you just let the game come to you and then you react because you put yourself in the right place by mastering your circumference the conclusion of this interview can be found in the next podcast already available for your download thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of pal exposure featuring elona thompson